We thought we should also get a human take on this issue. So a few weeks ago, I sat down, virtually speaking, with Himanshu Gupta. Himanshu is an Indian-born American tech entrepreneur who's the founder of a company called Climate AI, which was termed by Time magazine as one of the greatest innovations of 2022. And what they do effectively is apply tech solutions to climate change. Take a listen. Himanshu, thank you so much for talking to us today. We are thrilled to have you here in any capacity, even uh, a virtual one from many continents away. Well, thanks for having me here and, and glad to be addressing this gathering for Delhi Maverick. Let's talk about tech. When, when some people hear climate and AI in the same sentence, it just sounds like a clickbait recipe. What applications are we talking about that AI can bring in like a tangible way to the climate crisis? Sure. So I think I, I like the, the word there, which is clickbait. And probably like uh, both of us founders had, had that in mind from a marketing standpoint. And that was back in end of 2017, right? Where uh, when we started this company, President Trump got uh, elected, mm-hmm. right? Definitely not the best time to be starting a climate company from that standpoint. Uh, but at the same time, the president was you know, the, the administration was also very keen on AI agenda, yeah. uh, but they were not very keen on climate agenda. So we no. thought like maybe it will balance the two, you know, I mean, okay, so on a, on a serious note, I think if you look at the AI uh, applications in climate change, it solves two, two sets of problems. One set of problem is, is that climate change is a big data problem. And the second is climate change is a lack of data problem. Mm-hmm. And both of them occur simultaneously. So I'll give examples there. When I talk about climate change as a big data problem, we have terabytes of data coming from satellites, weather sensors, radar stations, and we have come to a regime where we can't say that, you know, uh, past is a predictor of the future. Mm-hmm. So what AI can do is, by using machine learning, we can identify patterns uh, and patterns of these climate risks that impact a specific locality or a country, and in a ways which which human eyes cannot do, you know, uh, on its own properly, right? So imagine like you, we have, or we still have those local meteorologists, right? The maps will contextualize it for a local region. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they'll get their predictions for a heat wave, for, for a cold wave coming in the next week or two. But that's uh, an old way of doing things now. I mean, I'm not saying that meteorologists are not required. And now, uh, all I'm saying is, imagine if AI can actually do the same work for meteorologists and make them more productive uh, so that instead of giving forecasts once in a week or once in like three or four days, they can roll it out more frequently, more accurately, and more effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the big data problem. And in our case, uh, we, we were trying to solve the problem of how do we forecast climate risk beyond two weeks, which is beyond weather timeframes, and which is why we are climate AI, we are not weather AI. And that's again, and that's where again AI helped us quite a bit. Where we 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 realized that if we start including data from oceans, which is sea surface temperatures, uh, difference between the top layer of the ocean and the bottom layer of the ocean, uh, the salinity, you know, the 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 level of salt uh, in the ocean, and and what have you, uh, we are we are we were able to see patterns that uh, you know a naked human eye or and a human eye cannot see uh, on its mm-hmm. own, and and that helped us. Uh, come up with with a forecast which was cheaper, faster, and better than supercomputers out there. What you're saying, as I understand it, is that there's enormous opportunities to preempt climate risks. Is that the kind of main application that we're discussing here? 
definitely preempt climate risk, but also adapt to it, right? Uh, so typically, as we work with a lot of businesses, you know, food businesses, power businesses, what we have seen is that uh, there is very limited understanding of of not just uh, climate risk, which is the risk of a heat wave, wildfires, droughts, hurricanes, mm -hmm. but also its impact on how they do business on supply. So it could be supply chains, like demand planning, supply planning, uh, or it could be adaptation planning in general, right? So we, we work with a lot of seed companies on how do they launch their seeds to the market faster uh, with, the, with using our AI technology. So it's both like preemptively reducing climate risk, but also adapting to the impacts of climate change. That's fascinating. What do you say to people who would say, you know, the obvious pitfall of using tech to address the climate crisis is that tech is in itself obviously a major driver of climate crisis in terms of resources, etc. Yes, that's a that's a fair argument because I think just to explain the, the issue that you're talking about here, it's uh, many of these AI models require terabytes of compute and which is happening somewhere at a data center in Russia or, or uh, Northern Europe um, or Eastern India. And, uh, you know, these data centers are energy intensive and hence emission intensive, right? But I think it has to be contextualized with what is the alternative, mm. right? And, uh, you know, the, the, both the emissions from alternative ways of doing things would be a lot more than, than just using AI to solve some of those climate problems. So I'll give you a specific example here. You might have seen in logistics where AI is used to route trucks better, right? So you have uh, data data on traffic, real-time traffic flows. You have data on the weather, like is it is there a storm coming somewhere or you know is there a flash flood somewhere or what have you. And then you have these real-time updates coming to the algorithm and the algorithm can actually navigate a truck which is carrying whatever like a half a ton or a ton of goods from location place a to place b and by carrying this by routing efficiently from point a to point b or from one city to point the other city b they can save fuel um, but also the overall emissions uh, in reaching from point a to point b right and in this case if they were if we were not to use ai then of course the emissions will be a lot higher and of course the reliability will be very poor mm -hmm. of of meeting our logistics requirements so the, in in my view, uh, the overall benefits are a lot more than basically the the trade offs. Mm, that's a great example. Can you give me another kind of practical example of a way in which AI has already helped in the fight against climate change? I think the best example is uh, for seeds. And uh, as we all know, right uh, right now there is a massive realignment of food supply chains happening uh, because of the war in Russia. Um, and uh, because of the climate crisis as well. And there is suddenly a, a big urgency towards launching uh, climate resilient seeds in various markets for, of course, reasons of food security. You know, we want to be able to grow climate resilient crops as fast as possible, as scalably as possible. But also it's a livelihood issue for a lot of farmers. They want their hands on climate or resilient seeds so that they have more certainty on their yields and you're going back to the cotton farmer suicide problem I was talking to you about. So, if you know, typically what happens is if you're a seed company, uh, you're launching these seeds, it takes 10 to 12 years to launch a new seed variety to the market. It's very similar to how pharmaceutical companies launch drugs in right. the market. The problem in this case with seed company is by the time they launch uh, the seeds, climate has already changed. 
Mm-hmm. So you're seeing a lot more of heat waves and then you realize that, okay, I didn't breed my seed for a heat tolerant variety, right? Or like there are new pests coming in that area. And then suddenly you realize that farmers are not buying those seeds, but also farmers are at the receiving end of impacts of climate change. So the way, and the reason, one of the many reasons it takes so much of time is because these seed companies, you know, they take uh, two or three years to figure out location where they need to conduct trials. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, or like start thinking about the new location where they can grow those seeds. So as an example, Spain is right now dealing with a lot of drought issues. Yeah. Um, and for the last two or three years, so we, we have seed companies coming to us who are growing currently in Spain. And they say like, hey, where else can we grow if not in Spain? Mm-hmm. This process takes two or three years where these seed companies are sending teams to multiple locations. And these teams are setting up camps, like quite literally, collecting a lot of soil data, weather data, reporting it back to the headquarters. And in the headquarters, there's someone who's actually conducting historical analysis and making a call and, okay, these two locations out of these six, we should be growing seeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two or three years have gone by, millions of dollars have gone by in this process. So now, instead of that process, what these companies can do is come to our platform, just draw a circle on the map that, hey, uh, I'm growing corn, this variety of corn at this location in Spain. Right. Uh, and then we call it like the control C and control V of climate. Mm. Like, I mean, uh, all the computer nerds out there will understand what, I, what do I mean by control C and control V, uh, where you're copy pasting anything. So the, the algorithm will roll the clock forward the next 10 to 12 years. will figure out like which all areas globally are going to have a similar soil and a similar climate for a specific crop in the next 10 to 12 years. Uh, and will automatically populate the map of those areas. The process that used to take two or three years basically takes minutes uh, and one-tenth of the cost for the seed company. So as a result, they can launch a seed-tolerant varieties to the market two or three years earlier. And that platform that I'm talking about, because it's been deployed across 40 crops, uh, 70 countries now, was in Time Magazine's best inventions list for last year. Because of the tangible impact, to your point, AI was able to create. That is remarkable and really, in terms of food security, remarkable opportunities. Himanshu, there's also been a lot of talk recently, you've probably seen in Italy in particular, policymakers now increasingly concerned about regulation of AI. I mean, mostly in application to chat GPT in particular, which is obviously the kind of buzz of the moment. What are your views on how best to regulate this emerging tech? What I can tell is like it requires a, a joint and a concerted approach between, between the regulators and the entrepreneurs and the AI research scientists to figure out in what ways AI could be regulated. Yeah, that's fair. It strikes me that you're a, a big fan in general of kind of collaborative solutions and conversations across across disciplines, which I think is where you're going to point me when I ask you this last question, which is, some would say, you know, this all sounds so exciting. Can we sit back and let AI sort out the climate crisis? You know, is there still a role for activists? for researchers in a situation where tech is advancing so rapidly? No, definitely we can't sit back. To your point, yes. I mean, we need activists, we need NGOs, we need policymakers and big companies as well. And not just like AI entrepreneurs at some corner of Silicon Valley who can claim they can solve this problem. No, we can't solve this problem alone. Thank you so much, Himanshu. Let me leave it there. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and sharing your views and all the best for your very important work. Oh, thanks for having us. And I regret that I couldn't be there in person. It would have been great to talk to the inspiring community in, in South Africa in AI as well as in climate. 